Jack Slattery. Thank you all for coming back. I checked the analytics like a fanatical freak. And uh, according to the internet, I, we have an audience of 31 people. Hey, all so, right. so thank you if you're one of those 31 people listening. And uh, thank you if you're number 32 through infinity. Uh, really appreciate you. Could go down. <laughs> yeah, it could go down. It's not going to go down. I'm. It, it won't go down. Yeah, uh, I won't. It can't. It can't go down. It can't go down. I'm not going to let you can't it. Can't handle that. <laughs> I, it, it would be like that's that's going to be my Black Friday yeah. when that happens. Uh, you're listening to the uh, the other voice you're hearing right now is Andrew Frank. He's a Seattle comedian. Our regular co-host Jay Markovitz is not able to make it today. He has succumbed to the plague of the times. He oh, is, really? He has Omicron. Uh-huh. He has COVID. He is uh, eating rice pudding and drinking tea and not massaging anyone. Is that what you're supposed to do? The rice pudding? I think this is what he does. Oh. I think that that's he... That's a comfort food for him, maybe. Mm. Rice. I think. I think he said rice porridge, actually, which I don't really know. That just sounds like mushy rice, like rice with milk, like a a savory, a savory okay. rice pudding, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. All right, but well, I hope he feels better. Joining yeah. us today is comedian, voice actor, uh, raconteur Andrew Frank. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, I appreciate it. You were asking what the structure of the show is. We don't really have one. This is it. We're doing it right now. <laughs> it's just friendship. That's all it is. Pretty much. It's just people. Recorded friendship with an audience. Recorded friendship for people who just want to have, you know, a neat conversation going on in the background. Yeah. We, we, we range on topics, oftentimes veering into the gross. Uh, oh. Someone said that we... Uh, are trying to court a Joe Rogan audience, which I'm not saying that's not true, but we're not trying to do it. And if Joe Rogan's audience finds uh, common ground in the Rain City Jerks podcast, I say, okay, but I'm not like <laughs> seeking out Roganites. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't really have anything to say about that. Uh, but yeah. So how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Okay. Uh, I had a little bit of insomnia last night for sure. Is that a common thing? Um, yeah, it is. Uh, especially like, um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to be as sober as I can, and so- okay. sometimes, uh, and I'm you know it's it's up and down. It's it's not always easy to do that. Uh, but when I am sober, I have way too many ideas and my imagination just runs wild yeah and i have a lot of energy and just can't can't go to sleep so uh, and it was it was fun last night um were you playing with your new keyboard yeah i played with i recorded a few songs okay how long are the songs and what genre typically um they're they're improvisations in my bathroom that's the genre because my partner was sleeping and and i don't have headphones for it you don't wear headphones yeah well the um I tried to plug something in, but the jack was too big, so I oh. need a converter. You need a converter. I have one. Okay. You can maybe have. But anyway, so I needed to go into the bathroom, um, which was a self-contained space, and I improvised for about two minutes, uh, and then I rushed over to Final Cut Pro, and then I speed it all up. Okay. How? <laughs> like, what BPM do you take it from to what BPM? Oh, I don't know. I just uh, pressed the two times button. Oh. 
Okay. Sometimes I reverse them too. Reversing is great. Yeah. Reversing is a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. All the religious people that were worried about backmasking were wrong. It's actually like a whole, it's a fun way to do things. There's nothing evil about it. But it could be evil. You could use it for evil. Yeah. You could use anything for evil, you know. But you could also, is there anything you can use you backmasking could? for good? Like, like, why couldn't you, like, from their perspective, why couldn't you use backmasking for Jesus, you know? Why couldn't you also <laughs> program evangelical messages into the back, you know, into the backwards think, version? Do you think that that ever happened on, like, some oh, Amy Grant CDs? They use some backmasking. Yeah. Uh, to, to what end would they use it for? More tithing, perhaps? Yeah, sure. Any, anything. They love the subconscious, the subliminal messages. When you say they... Is there a Christian the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Is there a Christian uh, for our listeners? Uh, yeah. You you grew up in the church. You oh yes. Let's give a little bit of your background. You grew up in the church. Your dad is a preacher, pastor. Yes, uh, both. Okay, both. <laughs> man of God. Yeah, definitely a man of God. Um, the, the Christian God. Oh yeah. Um, not any one of these gods. Big G. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's a fundamentalist Christian pastor. Okay. And uh, uh, b- but before that, he was like a filmmaker. Really? Uh, or like, oh, well, like, interesting. Uh, he worked for the local news. So he like, uh, and yeah, was a producer for the news and made some documentaries and stuff. Um, oh, okay. And then he, uh, then he started making like media for our church. And then he started, then like the church is always trying to like uh, spread. They're like, they're always trying to make new churches. So then they're like, you go make another one. And you get to be the pastor of that one. So. Is it like a uh, MLM? Multi-level, mar- mar- what? <laughs> multi-level marketing? Is it a pyramid? Oh. Is the church a pyramid scheme? Just like you go start your own church? Oh, yeah, and, totally. Yeah. yeah, totally. He even like, uh, I went into his office a few years ago uh, and he had, <laughs> he had like a map with a bunch of like uh, pins in them. Okay. Like the territory uh, that... Yeah, he that controls. this that this denomination is like doing like this confederation of churches is like, you know, doing well in these spaces. He had to keep track of it. Interesting, like keeping track of gang territory. Yeah. It's like risk. Yeah, but with God. Yeah, <laughs> in souls. Okay, so you grew up in the church. Yeah, and uh, church and school, Christian school, right? And so you have <clears throat> deep, intimate knowledge of the the, the workings of some of the yeah church yeah why i think that they uh so you think they probably did use back masking <laughs> no i was just joking I mean, they should uh, right like i mean if like why wouldn't they if they thought it was so powerful yeah like, why would they not i think they don't need it because they're so because god's aggressive on their side about, they don't need it yeah definitely but like you don't need an extra layer of uh brainwashing when you're doing the it's so overtly forwardly. Do you know what I mean? You don't need to program it in backwards into things if you're constantly doing it forwards. Yeah, but then you get like the outliers. Like, <clears throat> and, and again, I'm just saying Amy Grant because that's what I know. But like in third grade, uh, my teacher, Mrs. Collier, a uh, real jerk, and uh, during the holiday season from like the day, like when you get back from Thanksgiving, Till like New Year's, she just had one Amy Grant CD, yeah. and she would just put it on repeat, baby. Oh yeah, and that's just what we're listening to 
eight hours a day. So, like, if you're going to backmask something, and, like, I wasn't going to church a lot. Like, I went to church sometimes, but I was an outlier. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a, I wasn't dyed in the wool anything. Yeah. Southern Baptist. So, you pop on a CD and you just play it all day. <laughs> It starts getting in your head. It starts uh, sure. working its way in. Maybe I, maybe that's why I started going to a Methodist church on my own volition without my parents to sing in the choir. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, the Amy Grant thing makes me think of fourth grade. I had a teacher, Miss Wolves. Uh, so everything was everything was always Christian, and I guess I didn't know the difference back then. But in retrospect. Uh, we would have these reading times where she would put on this music on the on the CD player, and it was Enya. Okay. And I don't think Enya is a Christian artist, right? I don't. I think she, if anything, is non-denominational. Uh, anyway, she would like play Enya, and we're supposed to quietly read. And I and I started reading Lord of the Rings trilogy at that time in fourth grade. Is that allowed? Yeah, yeah, because J.R.R. Tolkien's a Christian, and there's oh. like a lot of Christian allegories to it. So, like that was okay. cool. Okay, okay. Um, th- like, there's a very thin line, but there's it, magic. I know, but uh, but it's Christian magic. Okay, so there's a fine line between okay. like, uh, yeah, if there's Christian themes in a thing, or a, and and like a outspoken Christian author, then it's cool. Anyway, but uh, yeah, looking back, like reading Lord of the Rings to Enya. My fourth grade teacher, she knocked it out of the park. That was amazing. That was the best. Yeah, that sounds... Best thing in, in, in elementary school, for sure, for me. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, Indian Tolkien, for sure. Yeah. You just, yeah, getting into those misty mountains. Yeah. Yeah, that was... I remember seeing Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, at the Dollar Theater. That was the, one of the first big movies I saw as a kid. What was, what was If you had to remember one of the earliest movie theater experiences of your life what, what is it well wow, i'm gonna really date myself with this yeah, one. Go ahead, go ahead. you're probably not even gonna know uh well you might know one i have th- three i have three that come to mind just like there might have been all around the same time not sure yeah. but it would be uh land before time saw that bitch oh, nice. in the, saw that in the theater that's how old i am the first one uh huh i don't know i don't know what you're they all like I I grew up in a time when they all sort of existed. Like all right. t- all ten right. of them just yeah. sort of like right. were out. I I've only seen the first one. Huh. Uh and so yeah, Land Before Time, uh Five Will Goes West. I like that one. Saw it in theater. Yeah. And All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh, nice. <laughs> Which I think I saw that movie the one time in the theater. It was a big deal. Uh, my dad really loved that movie. I don't think I've ever seen it again. I don't really under. I don't really know. Yeah. I don't really remember much about it. Do you remember that? I don't remember it either. But because I don't know, I'm sure I saw it. But what was the tone of it? Was it satirical? Oh, it's sad. It's it's like I remember it being like a fucked up kind of dark movie. But is it like satirical? Is it like making fun of this notion of like, or no? It's I. I'm. I at least I, I haven't seen it in I don't even know how long. Thirty plus years. Mm-hmm. Almost thirty years, probably. In my mental theater that I'm playing right now, it's about a uh, homeless kid who is befriended by two dogs. You got a little dog, and then you got a German shepherd. Oh, they're angels. That's funny. They they're from heaven, right? 
Maybe. I don't think so. Don't I they think have wings? They, I think they get wings at the end uh. because they help this orphan kid. But then the, the bad guy is Fat Cat. I'm really like pulling this out right now. I think I'm accurate. There's, the bad guy is this, is this mean cat named Fat Cat. And then huh. somehow the dogs die and the kid's saved, but the, kid, the dogs go to heaven. Oh. They get wings and harps, and then they're looking down on the kid. That's all I remember. I don't remember what happens to the kid after that, what leads up to any of this. Just two dogs helping a homeless kid, Yeah, and they go yeah. to heaven. It's weird when you th- like. I mean, the people I grew up with, like uh, animals, definitely pose a problem to their uh, their worldview of because uh, they can heaven, love it. heaven and hell. They and all love that's... a dog, but they don't think dogs go to heaven. Well, they like. I think the sort of uh, the sentience of an, of animals is a real issue because uh-huh. <laughs> because uh, like under the like in Genesis and all like in, in this fundamentalist uh, perspective, it's like. Uh, you have dominion over animals. That animals don't really have souls, and <laughs> and uh, animals just kind of exist for you to like <laughs> eat and stuff. Like, uh, and but then like uh, you know, I mean, and then most of the fundamentalist Christians that I knew like had a dog, and like a dog is like a uh, member of the family. Yeah, a dog is a person. It really is. Uh, because you have a relationship with that you yeah. communicate with it yeah. like everything that yeah so sentient and then it's like uh but then but then you would like if, for there to be salvation and all this stuff like you would need like a dog jesus to, to die for the dogs <laughs> you know like you would need every every species to and have that, a jesus and then they would really they'd have to start uh protesting outside like vet clinics about yeah. like don't euthanize puppies and like uh <laughs> yeah kill shelters would be a real problem yeah anyway there should be a dog jesus i think there's there's a jesus for each each animal really <laughs> i hope so i yeah. want i want earthworm jesus yeah and it doesn't just have to be jesus it can be all the other uh all the other characters too. Um, okay, so this actually segues really nicely. <laughs> How? Um, How? Could just it? wait. Just wait. <laughs> this segues really nicely into a, uh, a. We have on our last episode, we had a uh, listener submitted call in question. Oh, cool. And uh, that was from Kara. Thank you, Kara. And so. Rosalini? Not Rosalini. This is a, a different Kara. Oh. Uh, this week, we have another call-in from a friend of the show. Uh, they love the show. Uh, they know Jay and I independently. And uh, so let's... Well, okay, let me set this up, this call up a little bit. Have you heard of... You, you have not heard about the uh, green M&M and the controversy and what's going on with the green M&M right now? I saw one thing about it. Well, I saw the picture of the new one, I think. Okay. And did you notice and, any difference with it? Um, it's not green. Is it brown? I think so, yeah. Oh. And then I... The reason I saw it is because an article about Tucker Carlson being really mad about it came up, and then I didn't read it. Yeah. Uh, well, so what's going on is that the Mars Corporation is uh, rebranding the M&M characters. You're familiar with the red yeah. and the yellow. Uh, but and I feel like sometimes these giant corporations like 
maybe they have poor market research about our attitudes about those things, or they intentionally do it wrong to stir up a controversy to get people talking about it. Because um, M&M sales are down, so now people are buying yeah, like, so they, all like, the... Nothing... While well, you can still buy a sexy green M&M on the package. Exactly. People, yeah. They're, get, they're trying like, to get rid of back stock. But I think they like want the internet to fight about stuff because it gets engagement. Like Same thing with the Pepsi, the... the that pr- the protest commercial with the Jenner, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it was like uh, so unpopular because it's so ridiculous and so, such a neoliberal mess of a commercial. Uh, I think it's uh, like got people talking, and that's exactly what they want. Interesting. So you you think that this is a conspiracy to sell more M and M's? Or it, or it could work in there. I like. I don't know. I, I think when, with most conspiracies, it's not. I don't think people intentionally set out to do things. Uh, but I think things happen, and then power adapts to it. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, like I don't think 9-11 was an inside job, but I do think uh, the power structure adapts after something like that to, to use it to their advantage afterwards. Sure, Stuff sure. like that. So, like, uh, and that's exactly what's happening with this M&M, <laughs> this M&M thing. They didn't plan it, but they're going to use it uh, f- to their advantage. Okay. To get, like... And they're going to sell more M and M's. Oh yeah, to, uh, it's always about selling more M and M's. Okay, uh, they're going to pump up engagement. Uh, and are you a peanut or plain M and M or one of the uh, offshoot fillings? Well, I think my favorite. Uh, this is a weird thing, but I like I like it's a very specific kind. I like the uh, peanut butter filled ones. Mm. And I knew I, you were an offshoot on, filling, but one. there's actually a very important part to it. Uh, and then I eat it with ice. Ice. Yeah. Like it what changes kind, the texture of it? What yeah. kind of ice? Ice, water, frozen. <laughs> I mean, there's there's crushed ice. There's oh. ice cubes. There's um, shaved well, ice. It's all. It all stemmed from this one time I went to my, like my dad's church fantasy football draft, and they had a bowl of peanut butter M and M's, and and I had a cup of ice, and I ate it, and I thought it was great. Okay. So I've been doing that for. a so while. So what kind of ice though? Like tiny cubes, big cubes. Uh, whatever the long whatever's ones, around. just whatever. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I if, if I had to pick, probably this like Sonic's ice. You know, like the little cubes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that that dense ice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of what I when I when I think about eating ice, you got to go with like a smaller cube so you can like yeah, yeah. crunch on it. Yeah. But like, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like no, I don't. Uh, chocolate when it's cold like 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 everybody likes chocolate and ice cream and stuff sure uh it's like that but without the the cream yeah you need that cream i think i don't know no it's like i would try don't you like the way that um when like intense cold is is merged with a with the m&m it crumbles in a different way okay that's all i'm saying uh i'm a peanut m&m guy myself i like those two yeah but you're are you aware that in the peanut or I'm sorry in the M&M universe we have accepted that the green M&M is a sexy lady because green M&Ms uh in folklore make you horny right like all the M&Ms are assigned in certain folklore pop, in pop culture oh okay. yeah <laughs> that is like a ancient anthropological no, I'm, thing I'm, i mean it's american folklore which you're is right. uh but the green M and M, if you eat those, somewhere along the line, someone decided that those make you horny. So the commercials started making the green M M&M and M a sexy lady, 
And now... Oh, really? Yeah. And what so did it used to be? Just a green M&M. It was before they anthropomorphized them. You know, it was just red and yellow. It was just peanut and plain M&M for a while. Those two goofballs. You see them around Christmas mm-hmm. goofing off and stuff. Yeah. And then somewhere along the line, I don't know exactly when, they anthropomorphized the green M&M. Mm-hmm. And she <clears throat> was a foxy oh. candy lady. Huh. And so now... The M&M Corporation, Mars Corporation, uh, is rebranding everyone. And they're uh-huh. taking the sexy green M&M's uh, eyelashes away, I believe. And her, they're taking them away. What are they doing with them? And her, her go-go boots, her white go-go boots, to indicate that yeah. she is a sexy lady. Yeah. And uh, maybe lipstick or something. I don't remember. And just giving her the boring... Uh, orthopedic white nurse shoes that they all wear just like they're they're changing her fundamental character into uh those boots are going to come back they're going to start making jokes with those boots like they're like other characters are going to start wearing those boots and stuff and it's going to be like oh look look well they're doing it for inclusivity and Mm -hmm. to create like this like genderless candy so more people can relate to the green horny m&m mm-hmm um, so we have a call in. Oh, okay. That, Can I say one quick thing? Please, though? please. Uh, this is really weird, but like, are you familiar with this joke where it's like, uh, I feel like it's happened in a couple television shows, but it's like the archetype of a celebrity who's like a prima donna who is like, uh, has something in their writer uh, about like, like it's <laughs> basically the joke is like, and I've seen this in multiple sources, but like, uh, yeah, like a celebrity who's like, I only want green M and M's in the in the bowl. Yeah, that's Van uh, Halen. But I feel like it's, I've heard it as many different people. Well, okay, and they they probably started it, though. but it's always the green M and M's thing, and I and I didn't know that it was a sexual thing. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Van Halen's reasoning for that is that um, their stage show is very elaborate and can be dangerous. Yeah. yeah. And so oh, and they have to make sure that they read it. They have this. That's how they know if they mm. really read things. Is, is if they have a bowl of green M and M's. You know what I mean? Like that means that they actually read it. Mm-hmm. And so if they don't do that, then they would destroy the yeah. green room or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So Go here's ahead. our call uh, from lover and listener of the show, uh, Ducky. Hey guys, um, my question for you is would you rather the green M&M be M&M size and she goes sounding into your urethra or would you like her to be human size so you can fuck her chussy? Chussy meaning chocolate pussy, just so we're all on the same page. So that was our call-in from Ducky uh, asking if we would prefer the green M&M to be to anthro- to to self climb into your urethra, yeah. or to be a human sized, and you can make love to her as humans do. I'm going to go with human sized personally. Yeah. Same. It's, uh, I don't. I don't want a yeast infection. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's a pretty pretty easy uh, answer. Really. Yeah. Pretty easy answer for me. Uh, option number two. It does make me think of uh, the. This this is so weird. Uh, the way I learned about sounding mm. was. Uh, it was at what's the name of the place? Oh, Shameless Grounds. It's a sex positive coffee shop in St. Louis, Missouri. Very cool place. And they did an open mic, uh, and I was doing comedy there. And it was like music and poetry and all these people. Uh, and this this guy went up there with a ba- uh, 
plastic bag, and his act was to <laughs> hold up the different sizes of sounding rods. Oh my! And he's like, he's like, I've stuck this up my penis, uh, and I didn't know that was a thing that people did, and that's where were I learned. Where were I they, learned were the, they really big? Huge. Uh, okay. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then there there was a guy who like played a vacuum cleaner. Uh, he was he. Yeah, there were some real, real interesting characters at that open mic. Okay, um, but he would bring his sounding rods. He only did it one time, but he uh, he like uh, there were probably five different ones that he was like, <laughs> like and they're all metal and they're like clanking them around in the yeah. bag, and then he's like, "This one, yeah." Have you ever dabbled? Have you ever tried it? Nah. No, I did once. Yeah. Well, a few times, but not for me. Yeah, I think uh, it personally or with another person. No, just me individually. Yeah. 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 I did it in high school. I didn't even know it was a thing. I was just like, wonder what would happen if you did this? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I was like, no, but I don't, I don't want to keep yeah. doing this. Seems like a nightmare to me. Like, it seemed like... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. I think it depends on how you do it, maybe. Uh, I'm not an expert by any means, but it was... It wasn't good enough to keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it actually, like... And then if you stretch out your urethra too much, then, like, there's not enough pressure. So, like, when you go to uh, pee, it just, like, dribbles out. And, uh, you know, it just, like, creates a larger aperture. So, like, the pressure isn't as good. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's ways around that, right? <laughs> I don't know. You could you could get some People surgery take, to tighten it up or something, right? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if you can tighten your, 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 your maybe, urethra. Maybe, I mean... Whoever's doing this is, seems pretty handy, so they might be able to fashion some sort of uh, thing to clench it in. Some sort of clamp. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it seems like they like tools. Um, so that's true. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's people, and mostly men, take things way too fucking far sometimes. And uh, Okay, maybe it feels good, but like, yeah, don't stick things in your pee hole. I think that's just a general. I, I don't care how good it feels, like, and so sure, you know what? Uh, I'm a big fan of butt play. Huge fan of that. Some people would say, you know, I don't care how good it feels. Don't stick things mm-hmm. up there. A little bit different, I think. I think that's personally, I draw. I don't even draw a line at sounding. It's just. It's it's like tattooing your eyeballs to mm-hmm. me. It's like I wouldn't do it, and I don't even understand where you do like where this comes from. But well, okay, you did it. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense for a lot of people to do anything, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, it's, but like you know, you shouldn't. You know, uh, you can do anything to your own body. Sure, you know? sure. But so don't, don't like don't like stick things and don't tattoo other people's eyes and stuff like that. But if you want to tattoo your eyes, those are your eyes. You know they don't belong to anybody else. I yeah I agree. But as, do you not think that the, the, it, it's a little too far? Maybe eh, there's no such thing. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you know what I mean? I do uh, know what you mean, but at the same time, I mean you could regret it or something. Uh, but I'm sure there are people that don't. Okay, you regret things too. You go in for open heart surgery. Yeah. Your doctor has a red eye and a bright green eyeball tattooed, but he's a great doctor. Mm-hmm. Do you feel comfortable with this, or are you going to be like, I don't know? Mm, yeah, I'd be fine with it. Okay. I feel like I would be like, mm, I don't mm-hmm. know. But then maybe that's just a personal 
judgment I have. That is like, who is the type of person that's going to tattoo their eyes red and green? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it makes. I mean, I I haven't done any sort of body modification, um, but it, that sort of compulsion makes sense. Well, I'm so like artistically, I have such strong artistic compulsions, uh, like towards, yeah. Uh, paper and the human voice and all like i don't know, like i love art so much that i totally understand why people would want to do it on their own bodies okay in, in like in pretty extreme ways you know because yeah uh there's all kinds of stuff that i've done that like uh is i don't know it's uh, i'm getting a little distracted right now but uh, what i'm trying to say is that like uh all all art or all the like the sort of creative impulse, if you really follow it, gets pretty extreme, and that's a really good thing, I think. Okay, what are some of your sense? artistic extremes? Oh, just like like, uh, I mean, stand up specifically, just doing it for fifteen years, uh, and just like like keep, yeah, just like digging and digging and digging and keep, yeah, just keep trying to learn and keep exploring and experimenting and stuff like. Uh, especially when it when things weren't necessarily working uh to like to have a vision that was stronger than the than the results in the in the in the like uh the immediate results to just keep working on stuff do you know what i mean yeah for uh, sure. and like no one's telling you to do this you're just doing it on your own as a stand-up so like and in, in fact so many people are telling you not to do it uh so it's pretty extreme you know yeah. to do it for for years on end it is i mean you're what 28 correct yeah about to turn 29 about to turn 29 you've been doing it for 15 years like that's yeah. bizarre like, yeah that's i don't know you have i was thinking about this earlier like i don't think of you as a almost 29 year old man like in my mind, you're like, uh, and I hope this makes sense, but you have this like air of a thousand yard stare. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you, you have like, you've, you've been through trench warfare. Like you have like, you're like a World War II vet returning and like you're not just a 29 year old man anymore. Like In, you, in you, terms of stand up? Yeah. Like, huh. like you have this like... You're a nice guy. I like you a yeah. lot. You like you're a very pleasant person, but you have this like grizzled, scarred face <laughs> of like you've yeah. slogged through some shit. Like you've oh, definitely. You, yeah. like I hope this is a compliment. I mean it as a compliment. Like you seem yeah more composed than I certainly was at 29, and accomplished. I guess in some way, well, in a lot of ways. And uh, I don't know. It's just very interesting to meet someone who's like been doing it for almost half their life and you know you're i'm still way older than you yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, so like 14 to 18 like what what are those comedy years like oh they're fun i mean like uh, like you were allowed in bars no not really uh when I was a junior in high school and a senior in high school, sometimes I could go into these bars in St. Charles, Missouri. But mostly it was just like uh, getting on stage at church, getting on stage at school, writing my writing an act all throughout high school, and then like most of the stage time was at this coffee house, the St. Charles Coffee House. It was every Tuesday and Thursday. They let us. It was like it was a music and poetry open mic, uh, and they let you do three songs. Uh, and so that was like 15 minutes of music. So I was, I convinced them to let me do 15 minutes of comedy every Tuesday and Thursday. Okay. Yeah. 
do you remember any of those jokes? I mean, I don't need to oh, do yeah. right now, but like, what was your subject matter? A lot of the same stuff, just not as uh, refined. Yeah, I didn't know. I hadn't worked through the stuff emotionally yet. Okay, uh, but a lot of it was just about Christian school and uh, observations and stuff. I mean, I was like, like, and like some America stuff because I, because not only did I have like this shift from like fundamentalist Christian to, you know, a agnostic person, uh, but also like the sort of like patriotism and the sort of conservative <laughs> values and patriarchal shit and all that stuff, like. I I was working my way through that stuff too. So uh, there's lots of like, hey, America isn't what I thought it was. Uh, you know, a lot of jokes like that. Yeah, and imagine in like Missouri, right? Like yeah. that's coming from a 14 year old. Like that's got to be yeah. uh, difficult for some people to hear. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was it was funny though. It was fine. I mean, like that's like part of this sort of. Uh, there is something comedic about a teenager doing that. Like, right, uh, yeah. So, like, the sort of, like... And, and, like, I was performing for a lot of other teenagers, too, at this point. Okay, like, okay. The, like, the... Uh, yeah. 15 minutes also is just, like, like just jumping in. Like, that's, like, a, yeah. a lot of time. Yeah, I was also, like, doing a lot more, so like, surreal stuff at the time. Like, uh, I was, like, a huge, huge fan of Andy Kaufman. Okay. Uh, and Steve Martin and stuff. Sure. So I, like, uh, really like the absurd stuff. So I remember I did one, like, it, it was, like, a... <laughs> I did, like, a... I got a few of my friends to dress up in, t- like, uh, black suits. And we did, like, um, a funeral for a, my cell phone that died. <laughs> And we had, like had a little, we made a little casket and everything, and we did this very serious service. And then my friend played taps on the trumpet. Um, That's hilarious. That was, and we did it all straight faced. Um, that was something we did. <laughs> I don't know, little things like that. Okay, that yeah. sounds. I mean, it's 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 pretty cool that your, you know, parents were like, "Yeah, go do this," and yeah, didn't try and stop you. I don't think they really knew what it was that much. I remember. My senior year, uh, I like had my driver's license, and uh, my mom had a van, and I had finals. It was like at the, at the very end of the semester, and I had like finals the next day. I never studied in school or anything; I always winged it. Uh, and so they're like, "No, you need to study." And I was like, "No, I'm not going." And I like they they were supportive in a little way. Like they they got me a Groupon for a comedy class. Okay. And I was like one of two students, and it was like two students, two students in the basement of this place called the Impro- Improv Trick. Uh, and I so I took like five weeks. Of Who class. is the other person in this class? Uh, his name is Tom Shelton. He was like a fifty-two-year-old man, divorced, sing- uh, single, married. Um, divorced once, but remarried. Okay, uh, he's still doing stand-up in St. Louis. I still see him. Okay, uh, and uh, then the teacher was this guy named Doug Golden. What are his credits, accolades? I think... Uh, I don't want to, like... I don't know. I don't know. I I just remember, like, he, like, met Jon Stewart or <laughs> something, and I thought that was so impressive when I was a teenager. Okay. Uh, anyway. But, uh, so my parents bought me that class. Anyway, so Doug Golden booked me on a thing called the Penis Monologues, and it was, it was like, ten jokes... Ten, ten minutes of dick jokes. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was at the place... Uh, my, one of my favorite restaurants in St. Louis, The Fountain on Locust. And uh, I drove, I 
took my mom's van. They told me not to go, but I took it. And they were like, you need to come back at a certain time. And I didn't come back at that time. I came back at like 3 in the morning. And then I went to school and did my finals. And, and nothing happened. I didn't get in trouble. Really? Yeah. So your parents were pretty hands-off. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing they could do at that point. Why not? Because I was already independent enough to... Uh, but you're still like living with them and stuff, right? So I could walk away. Okay. You know, like, do you know what I mean? Like, uh, they, they weren't... They're loving parents in the sense that they would never, like, uh, withhold food or shelter from me. Uh, so, um, yeah, like, they were, so they did get mad at me or, like, they did, like, re- repress me in some ways, but I always knew that I could do my own thing and I would be okay. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I mean, no, that's not what Like, I, while I was in high school. And then yeah. after, after high school, I was like, okay, I need to get out of here. But uh, while I was in high school, I was like... I, I don't know. In high school, didn't you like find ways to just like be alone? Like, uh, like I, I always knew like I could wander off or uh, and come back, but like, or, or I could uh, play basketball in the driveway and not, not have to deal with anybody, or go in the basement and play PS2 or something. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, but no, my experience was very different. Yeah. Uh, there was, there were repercussions to doing things, uh, but once I got a car, like that was, yeah. you know, like I was out all the time. Like, yeah, definitely. And <clears throat> my parents used to threaten to buy me cell phones to like keep uh, keep tr- a track on me. Huh. And at the time, I was like, w- "Don't like that huh. cell phone will be lost." I'll be like, "Oh, I left it somewhere." Like I just uh-huh. straight up told them, "Like I will." I will intentionally lose a cell phone if you give it. Give me one. Weird, huh? Because I don't want my mom calling me. Like, where are you? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, no. I know. Yeah, I, I would say I got in trouble more like in middle school first. Uh, like I like, and th- this was one of my first jokes. This is I did this in the talent show. Uh, my mom worked at my school, so like some of my jokes were about her. They were mm-hmm. about her and my dad, who's a pastor, and then my sister, who was a little bit older at the school. Very small school, so everyone knew everybody. But uh, I went on a date. It was like the last day of uh, the last day of uh, the semester, like w- right before winter break. I w- I went to Happy Feet on a double date. I wasn't. This, lo- this is a roller skating place. No, it's a movie. Oh, oh, the movie Happy yeah. Feet. Okay, directed by George Miller, the d- director of Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, which I just watched uh, two nights ago. That movie's so fucking good. Have you seen Mad Max Fury Road? I've seen them all. Yeah, isn't that the? Be- I think it's actually the best action movie ever made, and don't even think it's close. Mm, maybe I don't know. Jurassic Park maybe underneath, like right underneath. But uh, there's nothing as good as Mad Max Fury Road. In terms of action. I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, it's certainly got a lot going on. I might put up Nicolas Cage's Mandy, but that's just because... Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Just because I'm a Nicolas Cage freak. I watched Beyond the Black Rainbow in my last relationship, and it was very... It's a... uh, We were both so scared by it. (laughs) Like, like, to the point where it was like, we're... Like, because we were... It was like in the middle of the pandemic or quarantine and we were like trying to watch scary stuff that one was too much so then it sort of like made us um 
like second guess ourselves anytime we were going to watch something scary. We were like, is it going to be like that? Hmm. Okay. Anyway. Uh, okay. So I go to happy feet in eighth grade, but I wasn't allowed to go on dates or anything. I wasn't allowed to have a girlfriend. Uh, so I lied. What, what was the reasoning around that? It's just Christian shit. Okay. Uh, purity culture stuff. Um, when do they want you to get a girlfriend? Because at some point they they need you to start having kids, right? Literally, right when you turn eighteen, they like want you to get married. Oh, okay, you know, okay. like like basically, I guess you're like a lot, like definitely not. You're not allowed to have like, or I wasn't allowed to have a, uh, you know, a romantic relationship in middle school. I think they want you to have a relationship in high school that is like just courtship, like not no intimacy. They want, like, that's when they want you to have, like, a long-term relationship, and then you marry that person right right when you mm-hmm. get out of high school. That's what they want. Right. Anyway. Um, You're seeing Happy Feet. We're at Happy Feet, and I'm on a double date. Well, it was weird, because it was, like, me and the principal's son. Nice. Jesse Pipkin. I, am I, should I say these names out loud on them? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's fine. We're, like, uh, we have 31 listeners at this yeah. recording moment, so maybe Jesse Pimpkin will make uh, 32. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we like, so we, I was supposed to go over, I told my mom I was going over to his house, uh, and we, so we went to the mall uh, with our dates, and then all, like, all the girls from our class came to, like, watch the date. They're like they all sat behind us. Uh, oh, interesting! To see what would happen, like if we would hold hands or kiss or something. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Or they were just going to see a movie. I don't know. Maybe maybe it wasn't about us. I don't know. I haven't thought about this in a long time. Uh, anyway, so I lied about where I was, and about like forty minutes into the movie, my mom came into the movie theater and like dr- like dragged me out. Uh, How'd you find out? I don't know. It probably wasn't that hard to find out. I don't think Did she come in and like, like just find you right away, or she like shout your name into the theater? She was like looking around. She, I don't know. She saw us. Right My away. mom would have shouted yeah. into the theater. But anyway, so everybody saw me get like dragged out. Then like it was like the last day of uh, school, so I didn't see these kids for the next like two weeks or whatever. And I was like grounded from everything. Couldn't talk, like use my aim or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Do you remember your screen name? No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then. Oh yeah, but it, what was so f- <laughs> what was funny is I like thought throughout this winter break that I was like, oh, but I, I thought I still had this girlfriend. Uh, I w- couldn't contact her in any way, <laughs> but then I like sh- and right when I showed up at school uh, in January, she broke up with me. She didn't oh, even no. like she like and I'm like I mean it's for the best, Jack. Yeah, it's yeah. for the best. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, do you want to say her name? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, but she sent a friend to do it. Oh. Like that friend came up to me with a note or just like, uh, a, told me in person, told your like person face to face anyway. But I, I told, uh, I told, I told that story. Uh, no, it wasn't even a, it was, a man, I was so weird as a kid. Uh, I, I did the talent show, did my first stand up set at school then I started doing the coffeehouse stuff. I probably only did like four or five sets and I started writing and was like, I, I, I really thought I had an hour of material, you know, like a lot of people do early on. Uh, and so I wrote everything down. I wrote this whole set list and then I sold tickets. I sold $2 tickets at, at 
lunch like for for a couple weeks i went around to all the tables and was like hey come to my after school special and i rented out the gym uh and i did like i ended up i only did about 45 minutes uh but i did it for like 200 students in the class in the in the school gym uh and that was one of the jokes the the story the happy feet story is one of the stories i told during that set seems um traumatic that's not the right word impactful <laughs> maybe i don't know what <laughs> what does just like your mom coming in and dragging oh, yeah, out of a movie sure. like this seems like so like did she break up with you because your mom dragged you out or because god said so was she really uh, she had to be religious right yeah she ended up going to another school though so maybe she wasn't oh. as religious okay what's the worst way you've ever been broken up with or that's the only time I've ever been broken up with. You do the breaking up? Yeah. Although, I don't know. My last relationship, we broke up like... What's the longest Probably five or six times. Uh, and so my last partner definitely broke up with me once. But okay. I think I broke up with her like five times. Okay. Uh, I, I yeah, yeah, sure. It was over like five years, though. Yeah. So... Oh, when... It, okay. Um, so I don't know. I don't I, know what I, we were doing. Around, we were just... We didn't know what we were doing. Usually around year three with a yeah. relationship like that with me, I say, hey, what are we doing? Let's get married. no i can't i can't do that yeah i don't i don't recommend it i've actually i've actually since broken that pattern in myself which i'm pretty proud of married once though right twice baby oh jack but the second one the second one doesn't really count we weren't even married for the first one shouldn't count the first one definitely counts the second one doesn't count because we weren't even married for like a whole year it was like it was just complicated paperwork and a break a wedding or did you do it at the courtroom essentially at a courtroom we we did <laughs> the, that mean we did the paperwork and such yeah. at the courtroom we did all that yeah and then uh we had tacoma comedian eli schvetzel perform the ceremony uh and it was me kate my wife uh eli and another tacoma comic who uh, i am shamefully forgetting their name right now mm. um kelsey kelsey parkhurst there we go pulled it out nailed it uh she was there and to take photos and so because our parents wanted photos and so we did that it wasn't really a real wedding though Hmm. it wasn't really a real wedding uh and it lasted for less than a year so i don't think it it's just it was a very complicated breakup Hmm. all right it was awful but it was complicated uh but yeah, so I, I think I, I think I've, I've moved past like the hey, this is a terrible relationship. Let's just get uh-huh. married. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I don't know the way the way I um, approach love and relationships and stuff is like kind of like uh, I don't know. I would I would say like stand up is definitely the longest relationship I've had. It's Same, like the biggest experience of love I've ever had. Uh, and I've I've had multiple like long term like really really good romantic relationships. What's the longest? Um, five years. Okay. Um, but uh, no. But what I was gonna say is like uh, I would never get married to stand up. I would never sign a contract um, to like I I have to do stand up for this amount. I like I wake up every day and I want to do it. I wake up every day and I love it, and I want to get better at it, and I want to know it like. I want to know it in a deeper, more beautiful way. Uh, and that's organic. And it is and it is consistent. It is really reliable. Um, but I would never, like, uh, 
yeah, I would never like sign something or make some sort of deal. But it is something I will do for the rest of my life. Right. Uh, I know that, but it's uh, I want it to be a choice every day. You know. Same. So you're uh, you would apply the same sort of thinking to any sort of partnership. Yeah. Yeah. That's like I uh, think that's probably the healthier way to go for sure. That uh, you should wake up every day and and uh, choose to love, choose to choose to stay in your your situation or transform it or change it or like yeah like to be open to the changes in life um and to be able to make uh to make those choices like daily uh do you know what i mean like yeah instead of going this is what my life is going to be like and you can't predict anything uh to yeah to like have the sort of flexibility to be able to pursue whatever you want in any given moment you know what i mean that's what i feel like with my creativity for sure and I don't, I don't really think I can be in like um, a really healthy or beautiful, uh, loving partnership uh, without the, the without, um, and I, like uh, I, I basically need to really be recklessly, creatively free uh, to be for my soul to be healthy and for me to be happy and feel good in the world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So, uh, yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I mean, you got the keyboard in the bathroom now. You're making these stop animation movies. You're yeah. moving into a different type of performative comedy. Yeah, part of it's <clears throat> Have you ever seen um, David Lynch's documentary, The Art Life? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, I've always loved Lynch. Big I, fan of Lynch. Yeah, he's pro- he's probably my favorite director. H- him. Andre Tarkovsky is my other favorite. That name's familiar. What has he done? Um, Stalker. You would love Stalker mm, if you haven't seen Stalker. I haven't seen it. Uh, it's incredible. Okay. Uh, the Mirror. Andre Rublev. I don't know any of these movies. I don't know. They're, they're all Russian. The Russian. Yeah. Um, he's got a great. St- Do you want to hear the story of Andre Tarkovsky's death? Yeah, sure. When did he die? Um, like 1984, maybe. Okay. Uh, so he makes Stalker. Uh, near Chernobyl, there's radiation poisoning in the place. Mm-hmm. But it, they scout this location, and they're like, this is where the movie needs to be. Uh, it's an incredible science fiction, like, post-apocalyptic thing. It's incredible. He gets radiation poisoning along with the main actor and his wife, um, and they die 10 years later. Oh, wow. They kn- They knew it, too, going in. They knew that, that they could die. Is it just and they made it anyway? It's just him. And, like they don't have a whole crew. Like they didn't kill like they were 50 the ones people. that three people died, and it was those three. Do you think it was suicide? Like they were like no, they were just committed to art. Yeah, I think they just took the the risk into account, and they wanted to make it anyway. And I understand that. So it reminds me of that. Like, Does um, it make the movie better knowing that? I just think it's a cool story. Um, um, but I also like. I know there's probably a lot of like. Uh, religious things that need to dismantle with those like those sort of like myths of suffering like those myths of sacrifice like sure they're good stories and stuff but the uh and i still think this is a good story but i think in our personal lives like i think i was like given this narrative of like you have like what you were saying about this grizzledness or this whatever Mm -hmm. like you've been through a lot i don't think you to be a really good artist and to be uh to make something really special i don't think you have to I think you will experience suffering because you're because we're humans, uh, and you will 
but I don't think it's necessary. <laughs> I don't think you have to like lean into suffering. I think a lot of comedians like uh they sort of celebrate this sort of like miserableness uh and misanthropy and stuff that isn't necessary. You don't need it. And that's actually worse. Like I think you end up making the art ends up being worse because of stuff like that. If you lean into your suffering. Like do you know what I mean? Like you need to understand the suffering but not like stay in it uh or like continue things that make you suffer for the sake of the art because that's not where the art comes from where does the art come from uh i don't know it's who knows but it, i don't think it's that i don't i art can, creativity can definitely be like a, a survival thing but it should be more of like um if we can find ways for it to be us expressing our freedom or us exploring uh, like an abundance mindset as opposed to a scarcity mindset. That's instead of it being in, informed by fear, if it's like curiosity or something, that's a lot better. Hmm. You know? Uh, oh, what was it? What was I talking about? Oh, Tarkovsky. Uh, Andre Rublev. You should see Andre Rublev. It's like a three-hour religious epic. That one was banned for a long time uh, in Russia. Why? Uh, I don't know. Some, something political that I don't know about from, okay. from their history. Got to get Nikita to explain yeah. it. Um, who, who are some of your favorite directors? You know, I'm really bad at knowing directors' names. Yeah. To be honest, I like uh, I like David Lynch. Yeah. Uh, I like. Uh, uh, uh. God, what is that guy's name? He did the fly. Oh, Cronenberg. Cronenberg. I like Cronenberg. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm really bad at knowing directors' names, to be honest. Oh, okay. Uh, have you ever seen... I was, um, the other films that I always have to bring up anytime I talk about films with people, because they've changed my life more than anything, uh, like Baraka and Koyani yeah, yeah, Skatsi. Yeah. I don't know that one, but I definitely know Baraka. Koyani Skatsi is the first one. Okay. Uh, that's like 1985. Uh, Ron Fricke and wait, no, not Ron. Fr- wait, no, yes, Ron Fricke was really young. It was his first job as a cinematographer. But um, Godfrey Reggio, that's the guy who made it. Um, and then Samsara is, the, is one of the newer ones. Yeah, I think I've seen Samsara. Yeah, those are so great. Those are so great. And that's kind of like what you're doing, sort of like those like fast cuts between like really diverse but similar things. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but uh yeah i remember i got baraka uh as a kid but when we got our dvd player we ordered it and it, you got to pick three dvds in the catalog so we got um what made you pick that one it was my dad picked that one okay uh and we got Mannheim steamroller Chris, christmas orchestra live concert uh Flintst- flintstones rock vegas and baraka okay and those are the movies we watched over and over again on our DVD player. I don't know the Mannheim steamroller thing at all. It's, I don't know. It's just like a Christmas music thing with an orchestra. But with like a steamroller? Like where? No, that's just the name of the band. Okay. Like I don't know. Electric Light Orchestra? I guess Mannheim so. Mannheim steamroller? Mannheim steamroller. Yeah, we watched that. And then like my my dad did have like some decent taste in things that weren't Christian Um I don't know if he ever really intentionally showed them to me or if I just like went through his DVDs, but we watched uh, 
Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones. Okay. Those concerts are really good. Yeah. I I don't really know them or him that much. Yeah. I, I, I'm vaguely aware he did some work with uh, Mongolian throat singers. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And the live concert. Um, so the, yeah. I saw them. You, where did you see them? Uh, and I'm, Bella Fleck might have even been there. Huh. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Okay. Uh, the most famous one in the world goes went around with Bela Fleck for a little bit. Okay. I definitely... Well, I saw it in Portland, Maine at this cool venue called uh, Longfellow Square. Yeah. I think that... Longfellow, anyway. And... Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a huge fan of mongolian throat singing yeah i love it i love it too there's a cool documentary called uh mongolian blues is that right mongol i think it's called mongolian blues and it's about this guy who is a blues blind blues musician in la named paul pina and it's his story of basically taking the he learns to throat sing on his own Mm -hmm. and he the most incredible part of the whole movie is that he he's this incredible blind musician uh and he hears throat singing and he's intrigued by he loves it and so he learns how to do it just by like reading about it Mm -hmm. but with braille and so he gets a he gets a braille uh he he has to like translate words from english to Russian and then from Russian to Mongolian wow. just using Braille. And then he teaches himself how to speak Mongolian and through this uh-huh. and writes these songs. And then he goes to Ulaanbaatar and performs and wins like in performs in this contest and wins some like serious throat singing competition stuff. And then he meets like the Elvis of uh, throat singing and they were doing an album together and like, uh, yeah, it's an incredible documentary. Wow, I'll check that out. That's really cool. the The guy that went around with Bela Fleck, there's this Letterman clip of him. You gotta see it. Uh, so he's performing live on Letterman, and the Letterman studio audience is so stupid. They're he's like doing all of his sequences, and they start clapping. They just start ro- doing this roaring applause while he's doing the tweet, tweet. Like so, th- like they're just they and they ruin the whole thing. Uh, you can barely hear the actual sort of like b- birds chirping in his throat thing. Uh-huh. You only hear the, uh, and then they go like crazy. Uh, and yeah, I've never seen a crowd misunderstand what a person's doing more than that performance. Wow, I gotta wa- I gotta watch this now. Yeah, I'll check it out. I haven't thought about Bela Fleck and the Flecktones in a long time, but yeah, I I might be exaggerating. They might only clap one time during it, but. Uh, I remember being frustrated with it, or I think it was funny that, was that, you, that this per- person's so talented, and then you're just clapping over his his throat singing, his chirping. The first time I ever heard about throat singing uh, was on an episode of Frasier, hmm. and now I live in Seattle, and now we're talking. It's like the, it's come full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You have any other DVDs you watched a lot as a kid? Uh, this one was a VHS, but I love oh. I love the um, <laughs> I love the Ruddles. Do you know the Ruddles? No. Uh, Eric Idle from Monty Python uh, did a Beatles parody, um, and it's this whole documentary, mockumentary, and they got all these amazing like Mick Jagger's in it, Paul Simon's in it, uh, 
they got all these people in it. And I don't know what's real and what isn't real, because they also, like, took a bunch of footage from clearly Beatles stuff, and then they just, like, fucked with it. And I thought it was so funny, and I, and I thought it was so brilliant, because they did all these parody songs, but the lyrics aren't attempting to be funny. They're, they're parody because of how accurate they are. So they, like, they're, like, they just sound like Beatles songs, and so they're not trying to be goofy with their lyrics. They're just, like, mocking the style. And... Yeah, they tell the whole story of the Ruddles, and it's really, really funny. My, can I tell you my favorite joke from it? Please. The Ringo character, uh, I love this joke so much. The Ringo character, they ask him, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? He's, he was like, I want to be a hairdresser or two. I want to be two hairdressers. <laughs> That's my favorite, favorite joke in the film. Yeah, it would be great to be multiple anything, I guess. Look to be two hairdressers. Do they make him look like Ringo? A little bit, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not a big Beatles guy. You a big Beatles person? Yeah, I like him a lot. Okay. Because they were one of the first like things I listened to that wasn't Christian. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. That was and, a big uh, album for me when I was a kid. I was yeah. really into that album as a kid. Yeah, my dad had like... Uh, there was a lot of stuff that I wasn't into, but he had two that I... Two, uh, cds in his office that i went and got and put like uh put them on my mp3 player it was sergeant peppers and kind of blue miles davis and i love those two a lot do you still listen to them oh yeah not not as much sergeant peppers but definitely miles davis a lot but like anything like that just it opens up this world of like uh you don't stick with those artists they like they're this entry point to everything else sure do you know what i mean so yeah. like I, yeah, still listen to a lot of Miles Davis, but I like just any, like, yeah, just listen to as much jazz as I can. Uh, you like Sun Ra? I love Sun Ra. I love Although, Sun like, Ra. Some, some of it is not, like, the most listenable. Oh, it's, that's what uh, I like Conceptually, about it. yeah. it's awesome. Have you seen Space is the Place, the yeah. movie? That yeah. movie is so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's it's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's so bizarre, so ahead I love of its it. time. Uh, if If... Any of our 31 listeners, uh, shout out to you. Thank you for tuning in. Um, go, it's on YouTube, I think. Uh, pretty sure. It's on the Criterion channel, and that's the best streaming service around right now. Ooh, maybe I should get that. You next. should. Okay. Or you seem like a person who would like Shudder. Shudder's awesome. I've got Shudder. Okay. I love Shudder. Shout out to Shudder. We're going to get a sponsorship by them. Oh, really? Uh, I'm willing. Sh- it, okay, I'm willing it into the universe. There's a great documentary in there. We didn't finish it, but it's really good. It's on, some on Shutter. Yeah, it's about folk folk horror. Uh, um, it's a folk horror. I, don't, I think I started thing. that too. I like Shutter, but also the app is kind of clunky and it like uh, they, it could be better. But their their curation and selection are top choice if you like yeah. horror. Oh yeah, definitely. I, and I like bad horror. I don't. I don't want. I'm not into jump scares. I'm not into good stuff. I like like gratuitous violence to the point of comicalness yeah and just bad i just like bad horror okay have you seen the love witch no i think you'd like that it's not uh it's definitely not attempting to be scary it's more it's a comedy basically uh but it was came out a few years ago but it like mimics this style of uh like early 70s like technicolor Mm. psychedelic cult films okay um it's really good really funny um what else the uh, thing i've oh this one's not that horror e but it was on shutter 
best thing I've seen on Shutter is this movie called Victoria. It's a, a German film. It's a two and a half hour film shot in one take. Oh wow! And it's like the re- when was it made? Uh, 2015. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, it's unbelievable. But like best acting performance I've maybe ever seen. Uh, I don't know. What was the name of it? Victoria. All right, I'm gonna watch that very soon. That I mean. Oh, just, and Nils Fromm, who's one of my favorite musicians, does the score. Uh, just from the technical point of it being one take, like that mm-hmm. just sounds amazing. So, yeah. All right. It, it's I'll, awesome. I really like the movie uh, Brain Damage. Have you seen that one? No. Dumb. It's <laughs> it's <clears throat> it's about uh, this alien worm thing mm. that sticks its tongue into your brain and makes you like trip and then you okay. get addi- like that. then you get addicted to the juice but it's like yeah. you know siphoning your life force that's like this is oh, some, okay you know what i mean that reminds me of the a real thing in life which is that the fungus that gets in those ants yeah the cordyceps okay. yeah it's like that it's sort of like that it's a great movie it's a fantastic okay. movie cool uh, Bad Moon. I don't think that's on Shutter anymore, but that's that's probably my favorite werewolf movie, and I've seen most werewolf movies. Okay, I say that with confidence. What's the scariest thing you've ever seen? Uh, Actual frightened you? I mean, as a kid, I don't know, no, but like, like now, nothing, nothing scares me. Not in a movie, anyway. I mean, like, there's no movie that could actually scare me. Yeah. I mean, I I am I will, oh. I will say I'm susceptible to jump scares, but that's not real. Okay. Sc- yeah, that's yeah, not, yeah. yeah, that's not real scared. This one's not scary, but it's uh, it is the best like horror or horror adjacent film I've seen recently. Killing of a Sacred Deer. Um, Don't know it. Unbelievable. Yorgos Lanthimos made it. Okay, you're a foreign film guy. You like yeah. Okay. Um, what's his? Oh, he made the lobster. Do you know the lobster? I I do know it. I haven't seen it. It's great. Uh, Dogtooth. Haven't seen Dogtooth. Anyway, Killing of a Sacred Deer. It's great. Uh, Colin Farrell. Is it on Shutter? Is it on any? It's on it Netflix. On? It's on Netflix. Yeah. All right. I'll write that. It's down so too. good. It like it's awesome. I love it so much. What's the synopsis? Colin Farrell's a doctor, a surgeon. Okay. That's all you need to know. Okay. Okay. Have you seen Nicolas Cage's movie Pig? Yeah, I like Pig. Pig was amazing. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what the best stuff I saw last year was. Because uh, I saw Pig in theater. That was like, it was cool. Like, that was in the summer. I was in Salt Lake City and I was at a festival doing a fringe festival again. And yeah, doing my hour every night, which was nice. And going to see, I saw a Pig in the Green Knight that weekend with my partner at a movie theater. And we just hadn't done anything like that in a long time. It was like, that was our first time back doing stuff. And that was really nice. Uh, but what else do we see? Yeah, I didn't see the Green Knight. It was good. Uh, oh, the best. Oh, you got to see Tatan. 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 Best movie of 2021. Hands what, down. What is that? Uh, it's everything that you. Aesthetically, you would love it. Okay. Because uh, it's so intense. Okay. It's a, it's a French film. It's by the director of Raw. Have you ever seen Raw? No. Raw's better. Raw's great. <laughs> uh Roz is also a French movie this girl goes off to college uh and she's a vegetarian but then she get, like gets a little bit of a taste of meat and then she's going to starts got to start eating people you know um it's one of those movies sounds like that Japanese serial killer who or 
I guess he wasn't a serial killer, but the Japanese cannibal who lived in Paris in like the eighties and he's oh. free in Japan now, but he ate, oh, really? he ate a Dutch woman oh. and then went to jail for it. And now he's free. Okay. Um, anyway, Tatan, I can't really describe it, but it's, uh, like sometimes like if you just give a synopsis of a movie, it's like, you should just go be surprised by it. Okay. I'm going to, have to get you to write all these movies down yeah i'll write them down uh all right we're at an hour and plus uh i want to ask you um percentage wise where are you on is there is there a god is there a devil (laughs) how do you like on any given day like I'm not saying necessarily Christianity, yeah. but like, is there, where are you on your atheism, agnosticism? Oh, okay. Like, would, is it, how afraid of the afterlife <laughs> or like, like, Oh, zero percent. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it, the, hmm, how do I approach this question? There's a lot of layers to it where it's like, right, uh, I would imagine, uh, I, I can answer this stuff pretty confidently in, ter- in terms of a literal interpretation of things. Uh, like, I mean, I'm not going to say 0% because I don't know, but a 1% chance that, uh, or less, that there is, that the Christian God of the Bible is literally true, or that Jesus literally died for your sins, or that you'll literally literally go to heaven or hell. Uh, Figuratively, uh, of course this stuff exists. Uh, Like, of course this sort of concept of heaven and hell has use, and uh, has, like, does communicate something about the human experience uh the devil uh like angels demons all these mythological entities of course say something about the consciousness of human beings uh you know both like the ways that we experience our our imaginations dreams hopes fears that sort of thing and like the sort of roadmap of consciousness that is the world of art and the world of stories uh, those are real. Stories are real. Art, art's real, uh, and you can put yourself in them. That's kind of the whole point of them. Uh, but if you believe in them literally, then you're you're, miss, you're, you're do, missing doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, is there a god? Uh, that's like a sort of a linguistic question. Uh, so it's you know depending on the definition uh it's and it's a hard thing to define the way uh so uh sorry this is rambly but the what i would say is that uh yes god exists god is the emergent property of everything uh and there's no there's no reason you don't need faith for that uh we know there's a cosmos uh and we we do know that everything is connected because how could it not be and um words and perception and language this is what sort of fractions everything off into these separate things and yes that has a use we need that we need to be able to identify things and uh but everything it's uh it's all one and whatever that one is uh is what i would call god yeah i think that's about where i'm at too yeah i think that's the conclusion most people come to after taking some psychedelics and uh living a little bit and living in the world. Yeah. I don't know. That was fun. Do you have any, uh, questions, follow up things want, uh, answered or talk about? No, 
Okay. Not really. Okay. <laughs> I have to pee. Okay. So there's that. Okay, you got to pee. Uh, we we can wrap it up. This has been fun. Um, wish Jay could have been here. Big shout out to Jay. Sick Jay. Uh, <clears throat> thanks for coming. Yeah. And Frank. Uh, if you're I'll have li- to come here more off the podcast because it's, it's an awesome house. No, thank you. And I live really close to Laughs Comedy yeah. Club. It's a convenient location. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening, thank you. Shout out to everybody listening. Uh, please follow us on Instagram and all the socials, Rain City Jerks. You too can submit a voice clip, and if it's good, we will play it. That's uh, right. We're talking to Bono. Yeah. You too. <laughs> We're talking to you. Uh, I would. I, I would probably play that something would be awesome. from Bono. That, that I would. Of course, I would. Um, you as well can submit a voice clip of some question, comment, concern, something you want the jerks to address, and we will play it on air and make you internet famous beyond your wildest dreams. So stick with Rain City Jerks. Thank you for listening. Oh, wait. Uh, Can I plug my Instagram? Please. Plug anything Uh, you want. It's just Andrew Frank Comedy underscore. Uh, I had one Andrew Frank Comedy. That's the one I started. And then I did something wrong. Uh, When I went to that festival in Salt Lake City, I, like, added a bunch of people in one day and then, like, messaged a bunch of people the link to my show. And then they were like, you can't do that. Uh, Who said that? Instagram said that? Instagram blocked me out. And then I, like couldn't get back in so then i had to start another one. Oh. They don't want you to use their platform for self promotion. I guess it was just like maybe like seen as spamming mm. or something and then i like wasn't able to prove my uh i maybe i forgot my password or something that that happens when you have ADD and AD, AD, or ADHD. It's yeah. like like i don't know what my password was. I uh, I I'm right there with you. We were going to talk about ADD and then yeah. through the powers of ADD we did not talk about ADD. Yeah. Anyway, so Andrew Frank Comedy underscore is the current one. Uh, and the other one is from another life. Yeah. Still there, I guess. It is still there because I can't get it down because I can't. Right. I guess I could maybe report it. Maybe. Yeah, that might work. Know. Whatever. If enough people with the power of the Rain City Jerks, go report. No, don't. Do, I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I don't. It's fine. It's not causing any problems that it exists. Okay. Don't do that. And I don't want. Minions the, do not I don't want do Instagram that. to think that I'm the problem. Yeah. Okay. Take so no just, action. Yeah, no, jerks, just, yeah, it's, it's neutral. Just go follow Andrew Frank underscore at Instagram. Andrew Frank comedy underscore. Andrew Frank comedy underscore. Yeah, and I post live shows and stuff on there sometimes and art that I'm He making. tours around. He might be coming to your city. Around. Yeah, I don't know who's listening to this, but what do I got coming up? I got uh, four shows with Mike Kaplan this weekend at, at Laughs in oh, Seattle. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be fun. Uh, and then, uh, what is it? Oh, I got some big things in February. February 17th, I'm in State Line, Idaho. Hell yeah. Uh, at the Draft Zone. Uh, the 18th, I'm in Moses Lake, Washington. Don't know the name of that place. And then Kalispell, Montana on the 19th. Headlining all those shows. Doing like an hour on all, all those shows. So, uh, I don't know. Check out my Instagram. That That's the best place to see it. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming. Thanks everybody for listening. This is Rain City Jerks out. See ya.